Spencer Balper, the team one of Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. Uh, it's been too long. Uh, it's been too long since we've spoken to editor of Rotographs, editor of Rotographs, and also the co-proprietor of Beer Graphs, a site dedicated to the statistical analysis of beer, Enoceros. Enoceros is the guest. Uh, and what follows... Well, uh, here, here's the pretense upon which I uh, asked Eno to talk with me, is that on Thursday afternoon, Thursday starting at 4 p.m. in sh- in, in Chicago, Illinois, the city of Broad Shoulders, uh, 4 p.m. in Chicago, Illinois on Thursday, Eno Saris is, um, I guess, hosting a Fangraphs slash Beergraphs event at Fizz Bar, at Fizz Bar in Chicago, Illinois, 4 p.m. Thursday. That was the pretense upon which I asked Eno to, to, to speak with me. Uh, we talked about the following things. We talked for for about 15 minutes, really, about our experiences thus far at the All-Star break now, or up till the All-Star break, as first-time reporters, uh, more or less. Of course, Eno and I were both admitted to the Baseball Writers Association uh, this past winter, uh, during this past winter's meetings, the winter meetings. Now we have spent uh, about three or four months awkwardly interviewing uh, baseball players, and loitering in uh, in uh, MLB clubhouses, so we've we've done that now. That's about the first half of it. That was unexpected, but that's what uh, we discussed there. And the second half is the the, the nature of beer was well beer graphs. We discussed beer graphs, uh, some of the stats you could find there. There are actual these are stats about beer, and then uh, we discussed the event that it's going to happen. Who will be there, for example? Uh, what one could expect, etc. So what is it? It's Fangraphs Audio. It features. Uh, it features Rotographs editor and also co-proprietor of Beergraphs, Eno Saris, and it begins right now. Hey, where are you now? Uh, I'm still in California. I'm leave Thursday morning. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, hey, that's a dog. I'm oh, yeah, you're, you're dog-sitting. Yeah, dog, yeah, I'm dog-sitting. Are you a dog person? I like dogs, yeah. Cool. Let me adjust the levels here. Hello, 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 hello. You don't have to do that. It's okay. just happening as it's going along. But it might, okay. I'm saying my attention might be diverted. <laughs> I see. Briefly. So you still have um, when you're going, you're flying to, are you flying to Chicago's O'Hare Airport? I am. Okay. And what are you going to do? Uh, what are you gonna do out there? Uh, that that meetup, um, and then uh, the Pitchfork Festival, and then uh, interview people at the cell. Ooh, that reminds me, I gotta talk. I gotta tell someone I might want to come. Oh, okay. Yeah, you should do that. This is uh, I'm recording now. Okay. Yeah. So this is uh, this is uh, what people are getting now. Is it uh, is a glimpse at how a professional baseball writer does his job. <laughs> In which he says, I should, oh, I should email someone <laughs> to do my job. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. The, 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 base, the Baseball Writers Association card allows you access into, um, into the, the, the stadium, but it doesn't, it doesn't give you a seat in the press box is something I've learned. Well, not, uh, not, not always. Well, yeah. It actually, just like by definition, doesn't. And oh, okay, that, yeah. You know, and then the, the way that it, the way that your courtesy works where you say, Oh, I, you know, I'm thinking about coming to the park this day. Then they make sure that they either put you on the parking list or, you know, and or get you a, a seat in the press box. There's always place for you somewhere. But, um, but, uh, I found that I've, I've angered 
some um, press uh, relations people. And so, therefore, anytime I go uh, to a certain park to uh, apply my trade, I find myself in the broadcast press uh, press box, which is very loud. Um, but it, it's fine to me. I'm, I'm I'm willing to undergo some rookie hazing. Yeah, that's right. Now, um, yeah, you've angered. So you've been, uh, yeah, you, you've been you've angered some PR people. You've also, I think, you've been made fun of by more than one major league baseball player. Oh yeah, man, I got heckled. I got I got straight up heckled. Two players stood behind me while I was interviewing another one and remarked on my clothing, my hair, uh, my appearance, my questions, and mm-hmm. how terrible they were. Yeah. Maybe um, the most honest players there are in the league, then. <laughs> is that what you think? <laughs> the only ones who say what everyone else is thinking? Is that your? Is that what you think? Oh, Wait, you, didn't you get made fun of uh, during your Kevin Gregg interview, though, too, a little bit? Oh, uh, he, had a little, he had a little fun with me. Uh, Someone called you a nerd during that. Tony Campana, maybe, or I, you included no. that in the piece. You included something oh, in the piece. Yeah, actually, that's a really great story, and I think because, um, you know, I, I don't think that anyone's that anyone would be pissed about me telling this story because it's all in good fun, and, and mostly what was going on in the uh, Cubs locker room was a lot of joking about the trade deadline and uh, who was who was nailed down and who wasn't, and. Uh, and so Darwin Barney was just sort of ruminating on whether or not he had any trade value, which um, I just thought that was hilarious and, and an interesting thing because he was doing it in a, in a, in a laughing manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said to him, you know, Darwin, you're actually the best defensive second baseman um, in the league over the last three years. Yeah. And um, that got his attention. He, he looked up and he looked at me and he looked over at um, – at a beat writer, and he said, "Really, what's that about?" And then the, <laughs> the beat writer is pretty funny because he's used to uh, little the little tricks that we do with uh, language. So he said, "In the league or in the league? You know, in the National League or in all of baseball?" And I right. said, uh, uh, "You got me." Dustin Pedroia was number one overall, but uh, number one in the National League, Darwin. And uh, then he went into a sort of uh, a back and forth with the beat writer that he's done a million times, I'm sure, where he said he was doing this little joke where he's like, oh, you know, well, statistics can't encapsulate me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm more than my numbers. And right, right, right. the beat writer was, was sort of playing off. They are playing off each other. Um, and so I, I realized that it wasn't going to really turn into an interview or anything. So I said, well, yeah, I mean, that's just one number. You're right. And, uh, and, and then he goes, well, he goes, well, uh, you know, who needs a second baseman anyway? And I said, well, you know, the Giants need an infielder. And uh, he was like, oh, well, Marco Scudero is a very good player. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I couldn't tell if he meant it or not. But, uh, <laughs> and uh, then he, he sort of walked off and, and was talking with somebody else. Uh, but he was still doing his little, like, no, you, can't, you can't box me in with numbers, man, he says he's walking away. And so I thought, hey, one last try. I said, hey, but Darwin, I just gave you a number that makes you elite. Doesn't that make you happy? And from way across the, the uh, from way across the room, he yells, nerd. <laughs> um, yeah, you got, wow. That was fun though. I mean, he was laughing, and the beat writer was laughing, and uh, I thought it was that was a fun exchange. Yeah, yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds very amusing. Yeah, mine mine are never. I mean, I'm very good at. Um, Standing in the corner awkwardly—that's one of my uh, 
one of my main main positions uh, in the clubhouse. Requirement of the trade. <laughs> yeah, it actually is a strange thing. People won't necessarily know this, but you go in and you look for a certain player, and this is not just the case for us who um, more or less have no idea what we're doing, I think, but this is also the case for actual media professionals is, um, you, you know, you go in and you have an idea of who you want to talk to. I mean, maybe some B writers that, well, first of all, if it's the home team, they, they know who they, they know the guys better, but you still sort of stand in this one area, you know, you kind of congregate with the other writers. And then when the guy with whom you want to speak, you know, comes in, maybe he's been, you know, maybe he's been eating, maybe he's been taking some batting practice or some lifting or whatever. Then you sort of wait for him to kind of create a, a situation where he's comfortable, and uh, you go over and say, "Hey, you know, can I have a couple minutes or something?" I mean, that's been my experience, and I haven't, I haven't been. Uh, it's all, it's all very awkward, uh, and then not the least of which is the sort of interaction with the other writers who are, I mean, in effect, competition. Yeah. Um, and there's like the. You know the, the 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 wish to to be um, among a crowd and not be by yourself. So you you end up next to them and talking to them and, and friendly with them if you're lucky. Um, well, you say but, you. No, you don't mean that. You mean you. You know, Saris. Yeah. Or, or, you mean or you mean you? I do not do that. I will tell you right now. I know that. I think I think you maybe go to the park a little bit more. It's a little bit more of a drive for me uh, to go yeah. uh, to go to Milwaukee from from Madison. But yeah, I'm I mostly uh, I mostly. I put on a face. I put on a face um, that's intended to suggest the reason I'm not speaking to you is not because um, I am afraid of the world. Uh, the reason I'm not speaking is because I'm so um, I'm so I don't know if enamored is the right word, but I'm so involved in my own thoughts, my brilliant thoughts, uh, <laughs> that, I, that I couldn't that I have not a, a nary a moment to, to spare. That's the face that I'm making. Yeah, I, I, I would replace thoughts with uh, tweets for me. Or I, I definitely use my phone as a, as a, hey, I'm busy. Look, I'm doing something on this phone right now. Yeah, that's a good strategy. You know? Yeah, that's a good strategy. Some uh, ballparks, actually, uh, San Diego for one. Uh, I end up in San Diego sometimes. Uh, the, the family uh, lives there. Um, in San Diego, uh, they, they don't allow uh, phones as phones. In yes, right. Yeah, so, I've encountered that too, and I think that sometimes that might be like a team by team policy. Uh, I was um, talking to a player recently, or I was, you know, in the visiting clubhouse um, in Milwaukee, and I was asked to, I was asked not to use my phone to, to browse. Which in it. then I'm just super naked, and I feel uh, very awkward, and uh, I sort of. I don't know where to throw my eyes, and uh, I'm kind of just. Yeah, I get out a notebook and I start. You know what I do? I start. Uh, well, this is sort of related to a game I, I play sometimes when I just have a notebook and, and board. I'll try and list all of the teams uh, by division, <laughs> and I write them down. I write down their three-letter acronyms or you know three-letter symbols, and uh, yeah, I do that. I write them by divisions, and then I start picking my favorite players from each team. <laughs> it's really lame. I, I've been doing it since I was like you know. Eight, so that's a great idea. It's, it's like very comforting because it's like definitely time consuming. You you could do that for a while, and like I'll try and come up with like, like my game, which is just like pick something in the clubhouse and look at it. Yeah. <laughs> well, frequently, and I don't know how it is. I've really only been. I guess I've been to Milwaukee almost exclusively. Is uh, in the in the um, 
in the clubhouses there they have uh, TVs you can be watching and usually like intentional talk is on or something yes yes that's no I that ends up being very helpful a lot of yeah. times and, and you know a lot of times it's baseball on the west coast is baseball uh, because you, you've got oh, these of course of course yeah so that that's that's definitely helpful and um, and I and, and you that ends up you know sometimes striking up conversation um, you know I remember the Reds clubhouse was there for the Pope's um, it, uh, for the Pope's, uh, what's it called? Yeah, the thing where they inaugurate him or whatever. Pope inauguration? Yeah, yeah. Is that what it's yeah, called? That's my view what it is. Yeah. Uh, that was a pretty hilarious moment. But, um, uh, you know, the, I think I'm also interested in this, this like sort of pack mentality thing that happens because all the beat riders are hanging out with each other. And then sometimes there, there are these designated players that are so interesting for whatever reason that everyone goes over to them and, and they feel you know, it becomes almost like a press conference, and um, and you're and you're just trying to get your questions in, and uh, those are terrible. Uh, I think <laughs> I, I managed to do an okay interview uh, with Josh Donaldson, um, even though you know I was surrounded by other people asking him about what it meant to be a leader oh, okay. and, and other questions I was not interested in. Is he a go-to? Is he sort of a go-to guy for the for the media? Well, it was kind of interesting in the context of what was happening that there there really isn't another player in there that they would all do this sort of mini presser, uh, you know, sort of congregation around. There, he must be the guy then. So to be asking him about leadership in the situation where now finally all the beat reporters know who the the stud in the locker room is that everyone has to talk to. Um, that 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 part was actually sort of interesting. I and I hadn't thought about it until just now, but. Um, yeah, he is, he's the guy. And, and in the Yankees locker room, it, it was actually Brett Gardner. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I found that, I found that interesting because I had, what I do when I go in is, is prepare for four, four to six players, maybe four to eight players. And I have a little statistical, um, uh, research and then a little bit of background research that I, and then I actually write their uniform numbers down now after the, uh, Yes, this should be, everyone should note this is that, uh, Regardless of how many games you've seen, um, a you know player uh, in 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 sort of game context, I should say, and how many times you've seen him in game context, when you're in the the way that the clubhouses are arranged, it's by uniform number. Um, yeah. And immediately you're like, oh man, I definitely don't know that his number. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Maybe my game, maybe my game will be to try and like write down uniform numbers. Maybe that'll help me. <laughs> oh, that'd be yeah, that would actually be very effective. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, and also I think I thought you were going with this. Uh, no matter how many times you've seen them, you know, in game action, they look different. Um, yeah, they, of course. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, not, frequently not, they're not always wearing their hat. Yeah. Uh, you know, they they might have on street clothes. Maybe they'd have on you know something Nothing. else. Yeah, they could have on nothing. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of different. Right, and you're used to seeing them in very specific contexts, usually. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's my excuse anyway. And so now I have now I have a little write up for four to eight players. And when I went into the Yankee room, um, you know, Brett Gardner was the one I really wanted to talk to, but I didn't want to do it in the context of you know me and ten other people and me trying to ask him about his ground ball, fly ball mix, and his developing power and all that stuff. Um, because it just, uh, I just didn't feel like I would get. I did get lucky with Donaldson, but the A's locker room is smaller, and there's fewer, fewer beat riders. This was like kind of crazy for for a road team. Oh right, of had a lot of people. Right. 
Uh, yeah, and that might be the case. Of the time. I mean, I, I'm an idiot, so I, I, I'm inexperienced. I lack experience, so I don't know. No, I, very well be the you case. Know, they don't usually travel with this many reporters, and right. I, and I, you know, that's why I, I make my living like I guess you, you do when you go is in the visitors' locker room because I'm not, I, I can't, I'm not there to develop relationships with players that'll give me the scoop when their knee hurts or something. Um, Precisely so. right, and I think that I know they're talking with uh, Sam Miller or not Sam Miller, for example. Although Sam Miller is very good, but uh, Nick Piacoro uh, or Nick Piacoro, he um, he said that even now, uh, of course, and you know he's uh, very comfortable with with uh, the players on the Diamondbacks roster, and Nick Piacoro, of course, being the beat writer for the Diamondbacks with the Arizona Arizona Republic, I guess, in Phoenix. He said that even still now, when he goes into a visitors' locker room, it's like a totally foreign thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's uh, it's nerve wracking. Which why the, the heckling actually got to me a little bit because, um, you know, I, anytime I go in there, I feel awkward, and to and to finally get some feedback that was like, yes, you should feel awkward. We hate you. Uh, uh, that <laughs> yeah. one. Actually, have you have you considered a more conservative look, Eno? <laughs> yeah. Do you think that might? Do you think that uh, you might be that calling might attention? That actually had something to do with it. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't do the suit thing. Uh, but I, you know, I wear a collar. No, but shirt. I mean, in terms of your your hairstyle as well. Uh, they did they did point that out. Yeah, uh, uh, I would definitely point that out. I do point that out whenever I see you. <laughs> I look at this person. Well, you and my wife. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. But <laughs> but uh, anyway, the the pack thing I think is interesting because you know I I had these things ready for Brett Gardner and I and I just and then I I whiffed that day and it's and it, that's another thing that makes me nervous is. I, I go in once a week and it creates basically my entire uh, content for Fangraphs that week. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I have an hour and a half if I'm lucky, mostly like an hour, and I ha- and I'm and I get in there and I try not to look desperate. Uh, but the you know the closer it gets to that time where I get kicked out, I'm kind of like oh crud. Yeah, right. You have to pro- uh, you have to produce something. And that that week was actually the week I got lucky with Donaldson. Back, I went ran back to the Oakland locker room because nothing was happening in the Yankee locker room. I was looking for um, David Phelps. He never showed up. Pitchers, starting pitchers, you never know when they're going to show up. But um, uh, yeah, and then I, I ended up talking to Sean Kelly about how he uses. Uh, he kind of does use two different sliders uh, to avoid platoon splits. So, but I didn't know if that was a full article, and I really, I never actually wrote that one up. But um, well, have you considered doing? You could maybe do this now. You know, if you have a notebook sort of thing, you could do like a notebook piece, right? Yeah. Where maybe it's uh, quotes. You uh, you found it uh, difficult to build an entire article ar- around, uh, but then you could say, well, here's uh, you know, here's three guys I talked to recently. You know, Sean Kelly throws two different sliders or whatever. That's you know, that's a thing. It's still, I think that's still. It, it may not be information you're getting elsewhere. Um, but it's still, you know, it's still, uh, you know, going to appeal to someone that stuff. Yeah, and I, the way that I'm doing it is, um, there's a couple themes I hit on with everybody. So um, there are some thematic pieces in the works. Where one thing I've noticed is that um, we know we have these pitch classifications for a reason um, because we want to be able to say this is what sliders do and this is what split thinkers do and so on. But the uh, and then you can see a little bit in the Jeff Samarja interview that I did. When the pitcher gets up there on a daily basis, he's just looking to see which of these pitches are working, and he also probably has two or three different ways that he can manipulate each pitch he has, um, and different fingers he can put pressure on, and different right, right. You know, there's different ways to uh, decide. Oh, you know what? 
I'm a little bit tired today, so I'm not going to throw the four-seamer as much and stuff like that. And, you know, just the different stuff that happens within a game for a pitcher. And so I'm definitely developing just a, a thing about pitchers on, on pitches, basically, on, on, you know, the different ways they manipulate their different pitches. Um, and then, you know, I basically, near the end of every interview, ask each player um, what they think about different stats. Mm-hmm. And, oh, okay. Uh, oh. What the like best, what the best stats are basically uh, to evaluate a player, and the, the most fun one was talking to Matt Kane because I was like, you know, wins are, are a terrible stat for pitchers, right? And he was like, yeah, and I was like, yes, because he's not really a saber guy, but it's a relevant thing for Matt Kane because he spent so many years on Giants teams that couldn't score any runs for him. Right? And, yeah, you would quickly come around. That was what I was. Uh, I was curious by by. Um I called him Tony Campana before. I apologize. Dar- Darwin Barney. Um, they're both uh, uh, undersized. Well, in one case, former Cub. But they both play in the Cubs last Anyway, point being, um, that's why I was uh, surprised that <clears throat> Darwin Barney wasn't more receptive uh, to your comments regarding the... I think he was. It was oh, all okay. in fun. He was laughing the whole time. He's right. a very smiley guy. He's a he, he's just... He may, he may have ADD, but he's a... Uh, <laughs> Sort of popping around the clubhouse, smiling and laughing and talking to everybody. So I, I, I think, uh, you know, in another lifetime we'd be friends. So it wasn't. I didn't. I didn't take any offense to it. But uh, but you, know, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I wasn't suggesting that. But it just seems like I, I forget who it was. I think Brendan Morrow at one point was discussing his uh, newfound affection for for nerd stats when he realized that to what degree they uh, <laughs> they supported the claim that he was you know a good pitcher, and which you know fine, makes sense to me. Right. Well, you know, the cane thing ended up uh, going somewhere I didn't quite expect. Uh, but once I walked out, I was like, oh, duh, because he said basically um, he liked innings. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Right. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, it's any pitcher is going to think, yeah, the thing that I'm doing is the important thing to do. So why not? Why not? Why not? That's how I, that's how I, uh, I, that's how I justify my presence at the site, for example, because uh I, I may not drive traffic like some other writers or like anyone, uh, but uh, quantity is my. That's what I, I say. Quantity is very important. <laughs> number um, of number of stats created. Yeah, well, that's true too. Yeah, that's gonna go off in that direction. <laughs> now listen, um, um, what I wanted to ask you, we know we've established that you're coming to Chicago on uh, Thursday. You're coming Thursday, and there's an event that day. Can we can we can we talk about that event briefly? And uh, what, where it is so that I can show up um, at the right time and who's going to be there, et cetera, and, and what it's for. Yeah, uh, well, you know, we did, I'm not sure that everybody knows. Um, we're going to be integrating, I hope, integrating beer graphs on fan graphs in some ways that uh, people will spot in the future. But uh, I launched a, a, a spinoff from fan graphs called Beer Graphs. Um, Beergraphs.com. Beergrass.com. And uh, basically the idea is to look at beer through the same lens that we use at Fangrass to look at baseball. So um, I just basically we, we have a, a blog uh, called uh, Beergrass, which is a, a basically a, a data-driven analysis of beer. Um, we have we have some data uh, that we've gotten from Untapped, which is an online um, rating app. Uh, so we have about three three plus million check-ins um, of different ratings of different beers with information about you know where the check-in happened and and uh, you know different you know, we can slice and dice it different ways so we're we're looking at the numbers that way uh, and then we have a a, a 
a blog that's basically not graphs, um, which uh, I call barely beer. Um, and uh, that one we have a little fun that we, you know, we do reviews, but they're basically short stories. Uh, I think today there's a, a piece going up about um, crapping someone's pants. Oh, uh, yeah, you shouldn't do that. That is going to be a rare. I guess better your own than someone else's. <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, we also have leaderboards, and we're trying to – eventually we're going to have some really good fun stuff on there. We're going to have ingredients. You can sort by ingredient. You can sort by um, – you know, we wanted to have it so that you can put input where you are, and it can show you, you know, the best beers available to you in your region. Um and uh, so, you know, the leaderboards are, are what I think is going to be a lot of fun for people. Right now, they're, they're sortable by style and by state. Um, so that's that's helpful. Um, so there are two stats. There are two main stats. And um, I, I, I sort of get it just, uh, I mean, intuitively because of there are baseball stats that are similar to them. But there's Wobar and there's uh, Bar or B-A-R. Yeah. So, so say, say something about them. Well, yeah, Wobar, uh, the, the main thing that, uh, that is hard for us is that uh, the sort of hype hype versus popularity, um, uh, the, the difference between the two, because there are these great uh, beers that have been ranked by 50 or 60 people that are very hard to find. Um, and, the, you know, if you get 50 people to put a five on a beer, then all of a sudden you have a perfect rating for this beer. But you know, what about a beer that sold to, you know, 50,000 people um, and got a 4.5? Uh, maybe that one should be worth a little bit more uh, just because of sort of strength of, of, of score, strength of signal, because you just have so many more people um, rating it. It's a beer that, uh, that the common man can find. Or just a, you just trust that rating more because, you know, there's more, there's more of a sample behind it. So what we did was Wobar is basically um, is is a ranking relative to style, but ha- that has no information about um, it has no information in it about how popular it is. So if you sort by and this will be coming soon, but if you sort by uh, Wobar, I think you can actually do it now. If you sort by Wobar, you just get straight up the best uh, the beers that have the highest ratings relative to their style. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a fun way to do it, but we then took that and uh, put in a multiplier for how many ratings the beer had, and that's how we got beers above replacement. So, um, you know, we ranked beers relative to their style. That's the, sort of the replacement level concept, and then uh, we added in a popularity uh, uh, quotient. So, is a Wobar of what's it, what's is Wobar of zero? Is that average then? Um. Because I see, so, so I'm looking at the zero replacement level. Okay, right, all right. Do yeah. lots of negatives. All right, all right. So, so um, I'm seeing here now the uh, all the 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 top beer so far as beers above replacement is concerned, with it with uh, 15 wins, if we're going to call it that, um, is Heady Topper, uh, by the Alchemist Pub and Brewery in Vermont. It looks like. Yep. What can you tell us about about Heady Topper? Well, man, I got real lucky. Um... Uh, one of my readers sent me some, and uh, very so lucky, I, yeah. I got to enjoy it because it has a very uh, small distribution area. You can pretty much only get it in Vermont, um, so I was very uh, lucky to try it, I, I, and I really liked it. But personally, it's more of a top five than a number one. But it's a it's a very hoppy, um, 
Uh, it's sort of like an East Coast version of a ballast point sculpin or, a, um, you know, I guess, you know, it's, it's in the Sierra vein, maybe a Lagunitas, uh, but it's, uh, it's very robust. It's a big beer. And uh, I enjoyed it, but it didn't quite, it wouldn't be my, my personal number one. My personal number one, I think, is uh, somewhere down in the 20s, uh, Firestone Walker Double Jack. Uh, but, um, you know, to each his own, this is also, we also want to do um, a thing about uh, similarity scores. So we've got one guy who's working on similarity scores where he's going to um, have, be able to tell you uh, which beers you might like, depending on which beers you have liked. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. Yeah. So uh, well, that's that's excellent. Now now going to the end here, uh, if we you, you, there are uh, over there's ne- nearly six thousand beers are rated by this method, and uh, number five thousand nine hundred twenty-seven. That's last place. That belongs to is it Boatswain or Boatswain? Yes. Double double IPA uh, by Rhinelander Brewing Company. I actually had some Rhinelander shorties recently um, because those are, those are uh, based in uh, based in Wisconsin. Uh, those are available here. Um, this apparently is not a popular beer. No, I, I believe it's the um, basically the Trader Joe's IPA. Oh, right. Okay. So you might might actually find it, and and that is part of why it's so negative, is uh, because there's a, a decent amount of um, of, uh, of of signal behind it. So people are actually buying it, um, even though it's so bad. You can tell that, you know, for example, five nine. To six, the traditional English ale from Hogsback in England, it looks like, mm-hmm. um, has a worse woe bar, but uh, not as bad of a bar because not that many people are drinking that beer, right. which is you know a problem when it gets down to the negative ones. Right, right, yeah, these uh, these things get pushed down. Yeah, you mentioned that thing about uh, with regard to Trader Joe's. Um, I have that that has been brought to my attention that, uh, and I sort of followed up on that at some point. I think I bought their uh, their like Czech style Pilsner or something. Um, and it was actually um, it was actually a bar uh, a beer that was um, it's like a generic version of that beer that's produced um, where you have the meetups in San Francisco. There, where do you do that? Twenty uh, First Amendment. No, no, no. The place where uh, um, no, the other place we had one a little while ago. We had a meetup. I was there. You were there. Yeah. It wasn't Twenty First Amendment? No. Where how? Where does Howard Bender work? Um, oh yes, you're right. That yeah. place uh, is not so great. Gordon Biersch. Yeah. Well, okay. I, uh, I'm not commenting on that. I'm just saying that Gordon Biersch supplies yes. the, uh, the Czech Pilsner. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. Or something. Yeah. Like you know, that. it's not all. It's not all terrible in Trader Joe's. I just think that that the boat swing. I think that's what I recognize is that's their um, that's their IPA. But okay. uh, you know, uh, fourth worst on the list is Michelob Ultra Light Cider, which uh, I think probably deserves its ranking. Okay, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to try that. Yeah, I don't think these are these are some strange drinks come out. They had that one. This this is like the beer garita, the beer arita. What is that? What is that all about? <laughs> oh, I can't believe. I mean, their marketing must their market research must have said people want that. Oh man, man, I can't believe that. That's hard to that's hard to fathom. Anyway, um, but so so I'm coming out to Chicago. Um, I. In, you know, I have a, a personal uh, goal, which is to meet my co-founder in person, um, Matt Denowitz from Pitchfork uh, Music. Uh, he's the CTO um, over at Pitchfork, and he was the co-founder of Beer Graph. So um, we chat all the freaking time, 
Um, but uh, this, uh, you know, this t- this way I get to actually shake his hand. Yeah, and he seems he seems like quite a friendly guy. Yes, yes, yeah, that's and, been my and impression. And I will, and I, I look forward to this. We having this meetup at, at Biz Bar on Thursday in Chicago, and I I'm looking forward to actually. There's a lot of great writers coming. Harry Pavlidis is coming. Yeah. Um, and TK Gore and, and a bunch of other people that I know through Twitter that I would like to uh, to meet in person. So yeah, and a bunch of people. It seems like a number of people from the the more mainstream media. I know isn't Dan? Uh, what's his name? Dan. Uh, Dan Hayes is coming. Dan Hayes is coming, right? And I think he writes for one of the CSNs or something like this. And, some uh, some guy named Carson. Yeah, in fact, I will be there. Dane Perry will be there. Uh, yeah. Michael, Michael Bates, uh, also known as the Common Man. Dane is is um, angry about the alphabet and has has claimed that he's not coming because he's getting uh, a low billing. But uh, yeah. I told him it's, it's the alphabet, it's not me. Yeah, well, it's uh, you know Dane's angry about a lot of things. Right? <laughs> you know, just the alphabet's just part of it, really. Yeah. So um, yeah, well, this is uh, this going to be exciting. I guess what do we do? We just sit around and we talk talk to it. It's going to be what? It's All Star break, so it's uh, yeah. We don't. That, it, that was a, a a little failure of planning, but I didn't really have it choice because i'm combining this with going to the pitchfork festival that weekend um the music festival so uh that's just what show, we don't have baseball on the tv but i think that's okay because we end up just talking we end up talking you know end up shaking people's hands they all have questions for you about uh how to become a writer or uh what you think about certain things yeah, and it's funny i don't get those questions <laughs> well, I, yeah, there's not. I don't get that a lot. You'll, you'll just see where it goes, but um, yeah. But it, I, 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 Joe, yeah. Well, I, I, I usually have a good time. I don't have to drive that night either. I'm also pretty excited about that. That's good. That's good. So I have, yeah, uh, and then I, you know, I hope to. I'm trying to develop a thing. Um, we'll see what uh, which musicians talk to me, but uh, going to try and talk to some of the musicians at the festival about uh, what about being a baseball fan and being a musician because. Yeah, I know from my my friends at Pitchfork um, that, and and also from my own experience living in New York, that there are many circles in which uh, being a baseball fan is uh, not something that you want to broadcast. Right. And I imagine that, you know, music is one of those. Ah, uh, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's some. But as you noted, well, as, as we've noted, uh, Bell and Sebastian, who I believe will be playing at Pitchfork, is that right? Yeah, yeah. They of course I have think... a song called. That's actually how I, I was at a show last night during the Home Run Derby at a uh, rock and roll show. I have a friend mm-hmm. in a uh, rock and roll music band, and uh, I was there. And then, and then after he played, the Home Run Derby was on, and I was with um, some people who were probably more sympathetic toward to the music than they would be to baseball. And uh, but it had moved on from actually from the Home Run Derby to like the star, you know, like the the. Um, this celebrity softball game, <laughs> but Mike Piazza was playing, and I said, "Look, I said it's uh, it's Mike Piazza, New York catcher." That's what I yeah. said, and uh, their their interests were immediately piqued. I told them uh, <laughs> I might have been lying or not, but what's his name, Stewart uh, from uh, Murdoch? Stewart Murdoch. I say he's a big baseball fan. Is he a big baseball fan? Yeah, he actually is. I, yeah. I was wondering about that because you know sometimes things are just uh, you know things they put in their songs, and you know they're not necessarily fans, but. Uh, I did some reading up, and it looks like he is. He's got an about page where he talks about staying all up all night and watching baseball on the telly, which you know to me makes it even more interesting because I, you know, you might be uh, watching baseball in a foreign country, and I and I watched baseball in London for a couple of years, and it's terrible because the games are on in the middle of the night. Yeah, and uh, you know he's from Scotland, so uh, I, that would be another thing is to talk to him about. You know, did that make him? 
a stronger baseball fan or was that hard on him? You know, how did he come into to, to Viking baseball when he was in Scotland? So Yeah, it's getting – I think it's getting better all the time. I mean, I know the way I handled it usually was to uh, – I mean, the way I watch games now is is to watch Corey Kluber's games after they're done. <laughs> and uh, Exclusively. Uh, yeah, and then to watch uh, – I'll go just half inning by half inning. To see what, what to see what he did. I did this a very similar thing to Danny Salazar's most recent start, his fantastic uh, major league debut. Yeah, I heard that was a nice one. I didn't actually catch it. It was all just a great changeup, and then ninety-seven. Yeah, it's pretty good, right? But yeah, it's like a like a split change. I was ah, uh, I love uh, splitters actually. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be a good pitch. I think pretty low uh, platoon split too, right? I mean, mostly neutral. And I think that might have something to do with just what. Uh, Jeff Samarja was saying, which is like, if you put pressure, since you're, you're shoving that ball deep in your finger, mm-hmm. if you put pressure on one finger, it goes one way. If you put pressure on the other finger, it goes another way. Oh, so uh, you think a, a pitcher might have some control, especially if he's, you know, versus left, left or right-handed batter? Yeah, well, I mean, Jeff Samarja also has, like, you know, shack-sized hands, so that helps a little bit. But, um, but I, I do think that they have some control over, and he was talking about, you know, shoving it deeper into his fingers to get this the crazy drop off the table break, mm-hmm. or or putting it a little bit shallower in his fingers to get a little more control. Oh, okay, uh, interesting. So, you know, I think it's I think it's a really great pitch. It's uh, obviously, you know, the one thing that's really hard is like you know, Mujica on the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, he throws one pitch. He sort throws the, the split finger sixty five percent of the time. Yeah. It's crazy because that pitch is. Has you sound like, like Christopher first... Walken there for a second. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. But it's sixty-five percent of the time that pitch has like the worst uh, strike rate in baseball. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess he's probably looking for swinging strikes. Yes. Yeah, but Mujica has like a one walk per nine. I mean, he's walked like five guys all year or something. So. Well, then he's good at the pitch. I know it's uh, but somehow I don't trust it. Still, I I, yeah. I feel like. You know, the Emperor's clothing, there's something going on here. Like, if people just didn't swing at the split finger ever. What would know? happen? What's the zone rating on the pitch? Have you looked that up, Eno Saras? Well, in his pitch in particular, that's what I should do today. That's, that's what you should do today. Giving myself uh, homework for the day. Yeah, there you go. Why don't you look it up? You look it up, you can tweet it out. People will feel like people will go back to your account and say, oh, did he tweet it out? It's going to be very – this is a <laughs> – yeah. This is not just a one-off podcast. This is creating, Thank you, Professor Carson. <laughs> creating an experience. Uh, yeah, all right. So we talked with each other. That's pretty good. We're going to see each other. Uh, we'll see yeah. each other Thursday. That'll be all right. I mean, be I out there in, in, in the world uh, listening to this that's in Chicago, I would uh, love to meet you on Thursday. Yeah, 4 p.m. 4 p.m. But what is it called? Sorry? Fizz. Fizz Bar. F-I-Z-Z? Yeah. Fizz Bar. Do you know roughly what part of town it is? Uh, a little bit north of uh, the Loop. Okay. Uh, Okay. On Lincoln, I think. All right, and then, uh, and do you have beers in particular about which you're enthusiastic um, in terms of you know uh, tasting? Oh crud! I mean, I do. Um, let's see if I can find it real quick. But you're gonna you browse know, the internet while we're talking? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, oh here we no. Here's your post right here. The replacement level pale ale for the Upper Midwest. Is that is that one of the ones you're talking about? No, there's a uh, there's a site called BeerMenu.com that I'm going to right now. Oh. Uh, that actually has um, the beers for Fizz that are on tap today, supposedly. I don't know if it's okay. – but um, they've got Bell's Oberon on tap. 
Um, and and Half Acre, which is a, a Chicago beer. I really want to try that. They've got the Half Acre Daisy Cutter on tap. Okay. Um, and uh, some Three Floyds and uh, a crazy bottle list. So we'll probably get into the bottle list at some point. Okay. All right. Well, the, we've established that. It's good. It's good. It's good. I should uh, I should probably um, I don't know I guess I have to brush my teeth I have a dentist appointment which is why I will not be at our meeting today. Oh yeah, well, my... brush your teeth so that you know have, have some man. have some what courtesy yeah they're gonna be all up in your grill yeah you, of course I'm know? gonna brush my teeth yeah that's what I'm gonna okay. do I'm gonna eat some lunch and then brush my teeth real nice but I don't I don't go overboard though you know first of all let me tell you something that's their job I don't floss oh, ever ever. ever. And guess how many, how many guess how many cavities I ever had? Zero. Really? My gums are perfect. I just have I have good genetics so far as my, my my teeth are concerned. My teeth and my gums. I have excellent gums and excellent teeth. Well, I've had one one my whole life, but my gums are starting to recede. So I, I'm I'm flossing away. Uh, yeah, no, you're flossing. Question: Do you um, what sort of what sort of toothbrush do you use? Do you use a soft or a medium or a, what? Hard bristle? Uh, automatic. What do you mean? Oh, yeah. Well, it still has a bristle. Yeah, I think it's a medium. Okay. But the the power is more important to me. Well, you might you might consider soft bristle is my point because uh oh because it could if you if you're having problems with your gums it could be uh, could be that is true that is true I've I've been told that sometimes I overbrush the the last couple I got a better dentist I think recently because they they've taught me like how to actually floss because I was just flossing and they well, like haphazardly like, do it this way and then they. Also taught me how to brush my teeth. So as you a, have a child, did your child have teeth? <laughs> as a as a thirty four year old man, I might know what I'm doing with my tooth tooth care finally. Yeah, but yeah, but 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 here's, do you, does your child have teeth? Uh, yes, yes, seven or eight of them. Okay, and so how do you manage? The, I guess that you don't have to worry too bad because they're going to fall out anyway. Right? Yeah, those are just temporary. And plus, he has a little. Um, you should see his toothbrush. It's pretty funny. It's basically just a chew toy. That, you know, looks oh, like okay. a banana, actually. Oh, okay. All right. Well, now I know. Yeah. Now we all know. All right, you know. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll get this up today. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, uh, let me thank you for joining Fangraphs Audio. Yeah, it's been too long, man. Sorry I got my own podcast. And, yeah, you uh, have a podcast with Mike Podhorzer, no? Yeah, twice a week, and I'll be, I'll be doing that today. A lot of- yeah, king of all media. King of some media. You know, Saris. All right, you know. Wait, you're Bye. gone. Oh, you're gone. Now you're back. Okay. You there? I'm gone. This is done. That's been uh, Eno Saris, uh, what, full-time employee and uh, also proprietor, co-proprietor of Beergrafts. Is that accurate? Yeah. Okay. That's Eno Saris. Thanks, Eno. I'm Carson Stooley. This has been Fangraphs Audio.